No manager wants to have a difficult conversation with a member of their team. A conversation about their performance if you've got to address that they're not meeting expectations is what you and they would almost certainly rather not be having. But if you know the correct way to approach a difficult conversation and what to address, then it not only becomes easier, but it can deliver positive outcomes for both sides. In this podcast, you'll find out how to turn a difficult conversation into something less painful and more positive. So let's get started. Are you providing the leadership in your practice? Maybe you found out what a complicated and difficult role this can be. I'm Gary Hughes, and this is the Leadership in Practice podcast, where I'll be helping you manage some of the challenges all leaders face. I'll be giving you ideas and tools and helping you understand how you can be a better leader of your practice. Every manager will at some point have a difficult conversation with one of their team. Telling someone they're not performing as you'd expect is never easy. And even more so if it's a member of staff that can be tricky to deal with. Often these are difficult because the manager is unsure of how and what to address. So from the start they'll lack confidence and either handle it badly or worse still avoid it completely. Chris Locke, my partner in leadership in practice, has created an easy to use model to successfully have these conversations. And I asked him to share this with you. Thank you, Gary. And it's a pleasure to be doing this. I've been a long-time fan of your writing and more recently, of course, your fabulous podcasts. Having what sometimes people refer to as difficult performance conversations with our colleagues is not something most of us relish and many of us put off or ignore. In this podcast, I propose to discuss why this might be, why it is a vital part of your leadership and management practice, and most importantly, I'll share with you a simple model to help you structure your thinking and a conversation to ensure that any conversation of this nature is as effective as possible. So why do we avoid it? As I talk to managers and leaders across the world on this subject, the biggest reason is that conflict avoiders are often worried about likability. The potential fallout of a negative reaction or outcome is too much to bear. So we might say that we avoid the conversation and trade short-term discomfort for long-term dysfunction. Another common reason is a sort of prevailing culture in the organisation where feedback and challenge is not valued and perhaps harmony and peace is. The third big reason is we make hope the answer. We naively hope things will get better in time. But if we fail to deliver feedback and agree an action plan, hope is, well, no more than hope. So if we're worried about getting it wrong, worried about upsetting people or damaging relationships, praying it will go away, or better still, somebody else will deal with it, or maybe we just don't do that sort of thing round here. Shall we not bother? No. I'm afraid for good managers and leaders, that's not an option. Why? Well, let's take a look. By not addressing an issue, it will be having an impact on that individual's performance. They're probably not realising their full potential. 
the impact of their performance, be it operational or behavioural, could well be having an impact on other colleagues' ability to perform their jobs well, or worse still, on their motivation to want to perform their jobs well. And perhaps worst of all, the opinion of others on you as a leader who is not dealing with the issue will not be high. Unchallenged underperformance is expensive, whether it be through the cost of rework, low morale, or potential high turnover of your very best people. Interestingly, psychologists Tom Gelovich and Vicky Medvek found the nature of what we regret changes over time. In the short term, we tend to obsess over failure and getting it wrong. However, in the long term, regret shifts away from failures and we begin to lose sleep over missed opportunities. So in the words of Susan Jeffers, we should feel the fear and do it anyway. So how do we go about it? Well, the first thing we need to do is stop calling them difficult conversations or referring to it as negative feedback. This only reinforces our negativity over the issue. The second point I'd recommend is don't delay. Take the action as soon as possible. The sooner you intervene, the better. The third thing to support you is to really identify the reasons behind the underperformance. And I recommend using a simple five C's model to help guide you through an effective diagnosis and conversation. These steps are capability, clarity, constraints, competence, and commitment. Let's dig a little deeper. If you have a team member who is underperforming, the first question to ask is, are they capable of doing what you need them to do? If they had all the time, resources, and training in the world, could they do it? If the answer is no, then you need to find something else for them to be successful at. If they are capable, the second question to ask is, have I, as the line manager, been completely clear about what is expected? Have I matched their need for clarity in communications and instructions to ensure there is no doubt in expectation? If your answer is no, then there is some further explanation to be done here. If they are capable and you have been super clear on your expectations, the third question to ask is, have I as the line manager inadvertently put any constraints that will impact on their performance? Have I reduced resources, not given sufficient time, prioritised other activities, given them a trainee to manage at the same time? If the answer is yes, then you need to remove the constraints and help them be successful. If they are capable, you've been super clear on expectations and there are no constraints, the fourth question you need to ask is, are they competent? Do they have the knowledge and the skills to undertake what you need them to do? If the answer is no, then clearly they need some training, coaching, or maybe some mentoring. If capability, clarity, no constraints, and competence are a big yes, then there is one final issue to consider. Do they have the commitment to the task, the job, or the team? If the answer is no, then you have some coaching to do to see if you can create buy-in and commitment. And if this doesn't create the desired outcome, then again, your job is to find them somewhere else to be successful. I would also add that during the conversation, you should look to agree a concrete, measurable improvement plan. And once you've had the conversation, don't forget to follow up. Monitor progress regularly, and probably most importantly, 
praise and reward positive change. If you are avoiding a tough conversation, I encourage you to take four steps today. Name the conversation you need to have. Invite someone to hold you to account for taking action. Begin preparing the conversation, maybe using the five C's model we discussed. Initiate contact with that person and have the conversation. These conversations are never easy, but they never get better by avoidance. And this is why we are leaders. We serve others with courage, compassion, even if we are a little afraid. Good luck. Thank you for listening to this Leadership in Practice podcast. You can find even more ideas and tools to help you improve your leadership in my book, Leadership in Practice, and my blogs posted on LinkedIn. If you'd like help with a leadership challenge, contact me at gary at leadershipinpractice.co.uk Connect with me on LinkedIn or head on over to www.leadershipinpractice.co.uk It'll be great to connect with you. If you want to be a regular listener to the show, the easiest way is to subscribe on iTunes. Thank you.